0: Uh, good evening and welcome to Couch Potato Radio here on the mighty 790 KFGO. Thanks so much for being with us. You Texas uh, 35270, sponsored by 702 Communications, keeping you connected with high-speed internet. Or give us a call, 237 one 880 5346 with us tonight to talk about a whole slew of things is our good friend, Dr. Jeff Baumgartner from the North Dakota State Criminal Justice Political Science Department. Dr. Baumgartner, thanks so much. Uh, anything happened since we talked uh, two weeks ago?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been completely eventless, right? So... <laughs>
0: well, and so the last time we talked, it was uh, two days after Memorial Day, and it was just kind of the the first part of everything that was going on, right? I mean, I think when we spoke, that's when probably... After that, shortly after, was kind of when the writing started. Correct?
1: I think so. Yeah, yep. I think so. It's it has been a little bit of a blur though. I just oh. I, I, I've been frequently losing track of even what day it is. And I mean, that was true, you know, even pre this, uh, the, you know, the riots and and just with COVID and everything. And and now, I mean, I just everything is so discombobulated. But uh, um, yeah, it's it's been whirlwindish.
0: Well, it's funny because I just had a conversation with uh, a friend of mine the other day talking about all the events being canceled so you're not running around as much, you know, no baseball to watch, which is a whole different story. Because I tell you, the owners and players are really impressive in this whole thing, right, (laughs) as far as not not getting baseball back when everyone else, you know, half, if not more than half of the country has either been laid off or at least had to take a haircut with everything going on. And then – And then you have uh, everything else that's taking place. I said, well, do you think it's going to go slower this summer? Because he goes, yeah, I I do think it is. I don't know. It's already the middle of June darn near, so maybe not. It's just the the nature of uh, nice weather. It always uh, goes by pretty quick around here. But, yeah, I mean, for the last last, uh, two weeks when everything kind of went down here, it really has been a blur. Uh, First thing I want to ask you, because I know that you probably have been an instructor to a lot of young men and women who are part of the Fargo Police Force, I'm guessing you're probably sh- shocked as anyone that we actually had a situation here a couple weeks ago,
1: with regard to the rioting. Yeah, or, uh, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. There's, I'm sure there's there's members of the force that uh, well, I know there's members of the force that are former students of mine, and so I, and I think everyone was called in for that. So I'm sure they were on the lines or uh, somewhere involved. And I have a son who was a National Guards member who was mobilized for that and was guarding some fire trucks and and. Uh, um, so yeah, there was, you know, that, that, that was one that does kind of hit closer to home and, and, uh, um, you know, you, you, you sometimes think we could escape some of that, some of the, some of these, um, you know, social movements that are taking place around the, you know, other, other places around the country, uh, um, and, and it, it, some of the outgrowth of those social movements, we sometimes think we're insulated from that, but, uh, that, that showed that, you no, know, we, 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 uh, we can have that right here in Fargo, so.
0: You know, it's funny. I was having that conversation with a, a couple of friends of mine because I've lived here pretty much for most of my life, and we were talking about the fact that you know I remember walking through West Acres and if you saw, uh, you know, an African American person, it was rare, right? And and I I'm no, I, I'm just being quite honest here. I mean, you would see a lot of professional athletes who are who are black on TV, but you didn't see it in person here. But there's no doubt. You think about thirty years later. This is uh certainly a different time. It's very culturally diverse and it wasn't the case, I would say, even going back to the late 80s. Yeah,
1: and that could be. I I'm more of a newcomer to Fargo. Uh I've been here 6 6 years or so, 6 or 7 years. Um and uh um but but my understanding is yeah, that you go back a decade or two, a couple decades, it was certainly more homogenous than it is now. Uh um, it's become, you know, quite a diverse community and, and I think the university has played a role in that. And of course, uh, 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 new Americans coming into the community has played a role in that as well. And, and, um, you know, so that is, that's probably different for some people and, and, um, and I'm not sure, you know, it'd be interesting and and maybe there have been some surveys done in this regard, but I, you know, um, just because we've become more diverse doesn't mean that. That our local police department has become more suspect. Um, I think generally Fargoans are pretty happy with their police services, and and uh, and, and I suspect that even inc- includes uh, people of diverse backgrounds and, and different cultures, and, and uh, people of varying degrees of, of uh, length of service or length of uh, time living in, in Fargo. Um, but uh, it would be interesting to do a deeper dive on on sort of what the community thinks of their police department my sense is that people uh are pretty appreciative of the fargo police department uh and and some of the area law enforcement agencies uh, besides them
0: yeah there certainly probably is incidences i mean that's just kind of the nature of the beast right but uh as far as that is concerned i think i mean there i did hear one of the speakers for uh you know before the rally last friday talking about you know getting pulled over, asking where you're going or whatever. And 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 I guess the question comes down to how often is that with race? And I, that's an answer I just can't answer. So, I mean, if that is yeah. the suspect that you know, people do feel that way, it, it certainly is different. I guess the, the number one topic when it comes to this, Dr. Baumgartner, is the fact that, you know, the word defunding the police is being thrown around. And I don't know if the headline really matches what this is really being talked about. And it kind of goes back to what we talked about a couple weeks ago. There's always been concern about the the quote unquote militarization of the police. That you know, as far as mm-hmm. uh, and, and all these different things. Megan Edwards, Megan Edwardson, the producer for a Joel Heitkamp show, she had, she posted a good article. And one of the things that really stuck out of the article that she posted was, you know, cops are asking, being asked to do a lot. Right? You almost got to be a social worker. You have to, you know, law and order. You got, you kind of have to do everything. And if they can not have all those responsibilities, maybe that could help. But what what's your take on this narrative that's going on in this country?
1: Well, I think I think that is true that cops have uh, uh, in in recent years been asked to do a whole lot, um, uh, uh, many things maybe outside of their typical wheel well. But uh, um, you know, so if if uh, you know, if part of this movement uh, or this call to defund the police is because you're going to ask them to do less. Um, maybe some cops could get behind that, uh, um, but if, if uh, you know, if you're going to send, you know, counselors or mental health professionals or social workers to uh, some mental health crisis, and in the end, they, you know, those people assess and say, well, we still need somebody uh, to put hands on this guy, uh, and so you call the cops anyway. Um, you know, then, you know, cops probably, you know, would like to have the resources to go with those, those responsibilities. But, uh, you know, if if, if, I was, I was on uh, um, JJ and Amy's show the other day and trying to think about what, what defunding or even uh, eliminating the police department altogether looks like in some of these communities where they've talked about such a thing. And, and maybe what it would involve would be some sort of, smaller reaction force that's kind of like a fire department you know they they go to critical emergencies but otherwise other people are responding to these run-of-the-mill calls and um you know i don't know that that would work but but it would be interesting to to observe i you know generally would not uh, would not be a proponent of it but i i am a proponent of local control of government and letting people letting people decide what they want community to look like and uh, experiments around the country of different ways of doing things. And so it would be interesting to see it play out.
0: I think Minneapolis is an interesting situation, which you agree, because the distrust there, I mean, let's not talk about the actual incident with uh, George Floyd for a second, but I just think the distrust there with these many of the citizens and the police department, and this has been kind of simmering for, I would say, going back to you know, when I was in high school, you know, I'm talking early. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is, this has been kind of a problem that hasn't been dealt with for a very long time.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. And Minneapolis, you know, fairly or unfairly, you know, perhaps fairly has always had a little bit of a reputation, even in the Minnesota law enforcement community. I used to be uh, a Twin Cities area law enforcement officer. And, um, you know, we, you know, we had our sort of Stereotypes of, of Minneapolis police in terms of how they handle things and, and whatnot. So I think you're right. I think they've long had a reputation for, um, you know, for for being, you know, problematic. I guess you could say at, at, at times. But they, you know, as as others have pointed out, I mean that, you know, the, the city's been under under you know one-party rule for a long time. Uh, they've had very progressive uh, mayors and police chiefs. And they've uh, undertaken a lot of uh, reform efforts and a lot of uh, training initiatives and so forth. And many of the old guard of, of Minneapolis have retired, um, and and so I you know I wonder if if, if it is still fair uh, to characterize Minneapolis PD in, in the same way we used to you know 20, 30 years ago. Maybe it is uh, you know I, I don't have the data uh, to support it or not, but uh, um, but they certainly have done a lot of things to try to change how they do uh, business uh, in that police department and try to change your reputation. And, and uh, you know, I, I guess some would say that those efforts just haven't haven't, you know, paid off, I guess.
0: Dr. Jeff Baumgartner with us from the North Dakota State Criminal Justice Political Science Department. Well, you brought up, you know, the Democratic control. And I and, you know, me and I and one of my coworkers called me the and i almost took it as a badge of honor you know it's kind of like the old history book of uh, actually having a situation where uh, the yankee doodle song we actually enjoyed it as americans right well that's right. calling me the empathetic uh, moderate and i think well for me on this situation i just know the stresses and and kind of what i talked about before that police are under but i also do really i mean i i understand that uh, minorities in this country may be you know fearful of how they're going to be treated when they come in contact with a with a law enforcement official, and I think we, you know, I'd I'd like to bridge that gap somewhere. But there's no doubt the politics of this is amazing because when I'm hearing all day today on CBS Radio News that you look at it that the Democratic-run city of Minneapolis is looked at as a situation here where they they are not going to uh, start dealing with the union, now all of a sudden, yeah. Democrats Democrats are busting unions. I mean, it's just what? Yeah. <laughs> the, I mean, what kind of world do we live in right now?
1: Yeah, it is. It's, it's, uh, you're you're exactly right. That you, know, you thought you'd never hear that, uh, um, and and indeed, I mean, the idea of walking away from the bargaining table that that actually might be illegal. That might be an unfair labor practice under Minnesota law. I think it is. Uh, that is I mean, that union, like them or not, is the recognized bargaining unit for the for the Minneapolis Police Department. So um, so I, I'll be interested to see how that story plays out as well. But it is. Yeah, it's just it is. It's interesting. And I'm not I'm not even being critical of the fact that Minneapolis is is uh, has been democratically controlled for all this time. Um, I mean, I get it. Big cities you know tend to be democratically controlled right. in most cases. My point was just that, despite generally having you know liberal leadership for for years and even decades, uh, whatever they have done to try to bolster the the reputation uh, of the police department and improve the relationship with the community, and they do have community meetings and problem solving uh, uh, you know committees and efforts and so forth that that apparently all of that has, has, has been for naught um, and uh, uh, I mean, if you're to believe kind of the narrative out there right now, which is that the department is sort of hopelessly uh, irredeemable, um, and uh, and and that's you know it's got to be discouraging to to uh, uh, politicians and police officers and practitioners all around who have been involved in these reform efforts all these years just to uh, to, to Essentially, see that apparently all of that effort has been uh, has been just wasted time. Uh, at least in at least in the eyes of the the current city council and and a lot of Minneapolis residents.
0: I got a text message in here uh, from the uh, 702 Communications uh, hotline here at 35270. If you want to send one in, I wanted to kind of follow up on what we said about Minneapolis uh, police doing things differently. And as you know, I know people down in the Twin Cities that are you know. I guess the reputation is kind of being rough and tumble right i mean i think the reputation is out there and just the fact that they maybe are a little bit like what was the movie with dent or the tv show dennis leary or whatever it was or the 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 guy that type of thing where it was just you know and and kind of the way the way that the lapd was looked at in the late 80s and early 90s certainly going up to the rodney king thing where you know i know someone who did a little ride along with uh Los Angeles County area, they said, you don't want to stand too close to those blue guys. And and, and that's kind of what Minneapolis has been for a couple decades, fair or not, is they've kind of had this reputation. And, you know, right. we, talk, we we talk a lot about stereotypes, but, I mean, that that has been out there. I, would you agree with that?
1: Oh, I agree that that was the reputation, has been the yeah. reputation.
0: I guess maybe um, I, I assume most the- people <laughs> listening knew that, but I, guess, and that, yeah. I I guess I should have followed up with that because it is true. I mean.
1: Yeah. I, I just know that they've done a lot of things to try to shed that reputation. And, and yeah. you know, they followed a lot of the recommendations that, uh, you know, that 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 all of us experts say that they should do. And uh, they've they've invited, you know, community leadership into uh, into discussions and partnerships and so forth. I get it that the union has a has a, you know, sort of a, a hostile relationship with the administration that's not terribly surprising i mean you see that anyway uh and and definitely the the rank and file probably don't feel terribly haven't felt terribly supported by uh by the political leaders in minneapolis for some time but but uh, the you know the department leadership uh you know for the last you know couple three chiefs for sure has has tried to be you know fairly um fairly progressive and and reform oriented and i think they've done a lot of those things it's just I think we're learning uh that uh that there's either limits to the effectiveness of some of those reform efforts or that even if they are effective uh, not a lot of credit <laughs> is given uh for the effort uh uh when when bad things happen uh, you know all of that effort is just sort of blown up and and we're kind of back to square one uh when when an incident like this with George floyd has happened so Uh, That's got to be discouraging to people that have invested a lot of their lives in trying to uh, make improvements to law enforcement or improvements to the relationship uh, between law enforcement and the community uh, Then to see now in 2020. um, None of that mattered, apparently. uh, and, And there's talk of getting rid of the department altogether.
0: You know, it's unfortunate, I think, when we get into this, because, I mean, you know where I stand, where we get division in politics, and it does really seem within what, probably the last 20 years or so, where, because I have a lot of law enforcement friends, and and a lot of them, I mean, we go back to the 90s when Bill Clinton passed a lot of, you know, a lot of reforms, and then put a lot of cops on the street, right? I mean, there was a lot, and, and there was a lot of that going on, which, by the way, was to the chagrin of a lot of. A lot of really left people. I mean, I have a friend who still says he's one of the best uh, moderate Republican presidents we had whenever he he talks about (laughs) Bill Clinton. So, you know, where he, so I mean, he's very much a Bernie supporter. But now I think since the late 90s, since Clinton got out of office and what's happened here is you've had, like we said, uh, you know, I've talked to a lot of law enforcement officials, not all of them who said there's only one party that really stands for us now. And then you have the other side that seems like, no doubt the Democrats are going all in on t- taking the one side of, you know, certainly that the police are bad. And I should, you know, and, and that's too stereotypical. But that, you know what I'm getting at, the political lines are so right. drawn now. Are we ever going to get to a communication thing here where we can actually kind of mend some fences here? Because the way it's yeah. going, and I think President Trump's kind of falling into the trap on the other side. Does that make any sense? Well, it
1: all makes sense. Everything you said, I think, I, I would, wouldn't disagree with it at all. I, I think uh, you know. I think you know what's probably in order. I was having a, a friendly conversation uh, online with uh, one of my colleagues, and with others as well, actually, that were sort of party to this uh, thread, uh, this conversation thread. But you know, one of the questions I raised is, you know, what you know, what does success look like in policing, particularly with regard to metrics that we're we're particularly interested in right now, like use of force or deadly use of force. You know what. You know, what are the outcomes that we're looking for? You know, I think you've already seen, there's already been a lot of commentary about, at least from from one side of the political spectrum, about how rare these things are that happened to George Floyd. And they are rare. I mean, they are statistically, you know, very rare. <laughs> you know, right. it doesn't happen very often out of all the you know, hundreds of millions of encounters, in, you know, in a given year between law enforcement and the public. Uh, I think in, I think the the stat I saw and this was coming out of the Washington Post data but in 2019 you know nine African Americans unarmed uh like George Floyd was uh you know were were killed at the hands of the police and um uh I mean you know all nine of those are nine too many uh some of those uh, you know were deemed to be justified some were not uh, but in any case that is That is practically zero uh, when you're talking about nearly 400 million uh, encounters with the citizenry in a given year. So, uh, so
0: yeah, we got to think there's hundred hundred. Yeah,
1: that's a success. You know that that we've gotten that we've gotten the number down so low. uh, But if that's not what success is, then what what does success look like? If it's perfection, we're not going to get there. So, so. Maybe we do need to redefine the job so that it can be reasonably attained, whatever success is that people want to have. And if, if uh, you know, if, if low numbers by themselves is not success, then, then, yes, let's maybe reduce the responsibilities of the police so that, uh, so that we're not, you know, sort of setting them up to fail. Because, you know, they're not, they're not perfect. They're not machines. They're human beings. They, they've been given this wide range of responsibilities. Can't be an expert on all of them. Can't always make the right decision uh, in the field at all times. Uh, so maybe we, you know, maybe maybe there's something behind the narrowing of responsibilities for the police, uh, so that they can be successful uh, in the eyes of the public and have the confidence uh, of the public insofar as the duties that they've been assigned.
0: Dr. Jeff Baumgartner with us from the North Dakota State University uh, Criminal Justice Political Science Department. We have a classic baseball tonight here, the 1985 All-Star Game from the Metrodome, a game that was played in Minnesota here. Tom Bernanski on that team, as well as St. Paul natives Paul Molitor, Jack Morris, and also Dave Winfield. Um, I want to kind of segue into sports a little bit because I- I've seen, you know, obviously Colin Kaepernick has been brought up quite a bit. We had the Drew Brees thing. And I, I think, yep. you know, my stance on this, I – I didn't really like how Colin Kaepernick approached it because I knew that it was going to divide us for the wrong reasons. That's why I because mm-hmm. c- the whole narrative – and I don't have a problem with him doing it. He had every right to do it and unless his employer didn't want him to do it. That's a whole other issue. But I-, I thought it was gutless also that the NFL owners and the commissioner didn't want to address that hot topic at the time where I thought they could have been really something that could have bridged the gap like so many sporting things have – and here comes four years later where we're having this conversation again. And if the NFL season gets underway and everything goes on and we have players taking a knee and President Trump starts going into the those SOBs, that type of thing again, it's going to divert from what we actually need to talk about. you know what I mean? I mean, I hope that we don't get in the conversation about the national anthem anymore. Let's talk about, and that includes Kaepernick, and that includes the commissioner and the owners, about what maybe something as high-profile as the NFL can do to start working with that and massaging that relationship between law enforcement and minorities.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I guess, you know, who is one of the things, I guess I've, I've never been a fan of the, of the kneeling. I think I probably told you that I, I, I do think it's, you know, I mean, Kaepernick can do whatever he he wants. The NFL can do whatever they want. They're a business. Um, And I think fans can do whatever they want. They don't need president Trump to tell them they're offended. I think it's, it's patently offensive to a lot of Americans to disrespect the, the flag and the national anthem uh, because they see America, you know, a lot of Americans, I think most Americans and probably most NFL fans, including middle-class folks like us who pay, you know, sizable sums of money out of our discretionary budget to go to a single game in a year. And that's a, a big event. Um, you know, we value our country. We think our country, although isn't perfect, it is, always getting better and trying to get better and has gotten better over time and has improved itself, shown the capacity to do that. And, and, uh, and, you know, it's just a fact. A lot of us Americans love our country, and we don't need, you know, very entitled and wealthy uh, players telling us that uh, we need to get on board with loathing our country. And that's kind of the message that's sent to me personally. Uh, I don't like it, Uh, and I remained an NFL fan because, you know, I gathered that the NFL, by and large, didn't like it either. Um, you know, if the NFL, as a result of something that happened in Minneapolis, has decided that 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 this is a good optic for them, and, and uh, so they're going to embrace it, and they were wrong all along, that's their choice. I, I think they'll lose me and others. Uh, but, I, but I...
0: But, but I think that yep. fall, I think that falls into the trap though. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because I think once we get into the argument about whether or not they should or whatever, and we start talking about the national anthem, which becomes a political division thing, yeah. th- then we move no further. Because because I I'm I agree with you in the fact that. The NFL is going to kind of look bad if they decide to swing all the way back to the other. But for the opposite reason, I said before, right? We're 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 going we're going to go into this situation arguing about the national anthem when we're not talking about law enforcement and minorities in this country. And that's that's
1: yeah no I and well and that's why the national anthem is not the venue to make the argument about law enforcement in this country. That's why that's why Kaepernick's protest was so misplaced. And the people that keep telling us to understand him they're missing the point. You're not understanding most of America who likes our country, you know, and, 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 you know, you're, you're attacking, you're using, you're attacking one symbol, a very important and iconic symbol uh, that has meaning to a lot of people in the United States to attack something entirely different and unrelated to the national anthem, at least, at least in the eyes of a lot of people. I think, I think if the NFL softens their position on this, fine, do it. um, but but yeah, I think uh, I I think I think that I think it's missing the mark. Uh, always, always have thought it misses the mark as a protest and it unnecessarily antagonizes a significant part of their fan base. Um,
0: but see, I, that's uh, where I blame the NFL because I think when it happened, you go and you talk to Kaepernick right away. What can we do? What what, what can we do as an as a multi billion dollar industry to try to let, let's talk about a serious situation? Please, you know, And maybe behind the scenes, you say, stay, stand up for the National Anthem. We want to give you a platform here. Let's take this head yeah. on, where I think instead of being wishy-washy and cowardice about it, and I think that's where I think they made a mistake. I mean, my problem with Kaepernick more now has been all he does is retweet stuff about kneeling. Or whatever he doesn't seem like he wants to further along the competi- uh, along the the any type of communication with law enforcement. And said so we keep on going in the spin cycle, and it absolutely drives me crazy. Let's uh, go to line seven here. Thanks for being with us here on Couch Potato Radio.
2: Yeah, yes, I'm really perplexed as to why your guest thinks. Peaceful protest is a bad form. <laughs> I mean, National yeah. yeah, yeah. Anthem is a, is a song. Kaepernick and others decided to go through a process of peaceful protest at the only point in a football game when they could get a peaceful protest in. Yeah. Hey, your,
0: fo- your, phone <laughs> is, your, your phone is very fuzzy, but thank you for calling in.
1: Well, I'd ask the caller if he's offended by anything ever. And if so, why? Uh, people are allowed to be offended. He's certainly allowed to protest. I, I don't, I don't say that he's not allowed to do it. Uh, especially if his, like you said, Derek, if his employer permits it, that's that's right. fine. But I'm allowed to be offended by it. I, 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 think he's protesting me when when he does that. I think he's protesting things I believe in, and place value in. So if your caller is is fine with that. That's fine. Uh, he doesn't have to be offended right. by it. Uh, but I am. And that's fine, too. Uh, and I can choose to do what I want to do with my discretionary dollars <laughs> based on whether or not I feel a business is sharing my value. And I, I uh,
0: yeah, it's too bad. It's too bad. Yeah. His phone was breaking up because I agree with both of you. <laughs> I, cause I really do. Because I, I think what Kaepernick did was he's trying to bring awareness, right? But then the fact it kept on going along and then you had it, you know, you'd had the current president Barack Obama being asked about it. Then you had the two candidates being asked about it. And then no no one moved the conversation along, whether it be Kaepernick or the NFL or anyone, it never got to move along about the actual issue. So he made awareness by doing it originally, right? And then it just never ended. And then it was Eric Reed. and then was other players. And then it got to be about yeah. who's standing or not. And then the stories came about, about American Legions and the VFWs not showing NFL games because there's players yeah. kneeling. And instead of – and here we are four years later – and, and, and as bad of a mess as we ever been. And I, I that's where someone in leadership there, whether yeah. it be on either side, needs to start moving the conversation along. Because once we start talking about the national anthem and how to act during it, we aren't going to move the conversation yeah. on what the actual first kneeling or sitting was all about.
1: Yeah, you know I have a background in law enforcement there. Colin Kaepernick wore, uh, you know, sort of, brazenly wore socks that yep. had uh, pigs, you know, uh, dressed up as police officers, and it was a clear insult to law enforcement. I'd ask your caller if I'm allowed to be offended by that. Can I can I not buy a Colin Kaepernick shirt if, uh, if, if he doesn't like things that I like, like policing, and or do I have to buy a Colin Kaepernick shirt because otherwise I'm I'm against uh, peaceful protests? Of course, he has the right to do whatever he wants. Uh, and the NFL has the right to uh, promote him if that's the image they want. Uh, you know, Colin Kaepernick, if you go to his, his uh, website about knowing your rights, he's got a Malcolm X quote on there that talks about uh, the need for violent resistance against, uh, against law enforcement. I, yeah, that's not, that's, if that's what the NFL wants to go, they can go there. They're just not taking me. Yeah.
0: All right, let's get back to line seven here. Maybe we got a better phone line. You still with us?
2: Yeah, I'm back again, yes. Okay. Can you hear me? A
0: little bit. It's a little staticky, but go ahead. Quickly make your point.
2: <laughs> okay. He can... Your guest can be opposed to it. It's just like he did not like what he wears on his socks. But the reality of it is we would have been a lot better off had the current leader of this country... Instead of saying, fire the SOBs, said, there's some issues here, or had people, like you said, Derek, in, in power say this. Yes. But yeah. I think the one thing your, your, your guest kind of wants to smooth over all the time, he says, oh, it's nine, nine occurrences. We give cops in this country special latitude. Nine people dying because cops either aren't trained well or have emotional issues or whatever is an unsustainable number. It's not an insignificant. All right,
0: you know, thanks. thanks I, think, yeah.
2: I, I think he wants yeah. to butter that over, and I, I think he needs to come to the realization that people don't walk up to cops anymore looking at them as someone who's going to help them.
0: I think that's a, that's a pretty that's a pretty broad brush. I, I I'm not. I, I mean, I, I thanks a lot for your phone call. I mean, but I I think right now what we got is we we got too much broad brushing going on. I mean, whether you yeah. want to do that with minorities, whether you want to do that with law enforcement. I mean, that I don't find that fair at all because I think most people, certainly around here, trust law enforcement for crying out loud.
1: Well, and my point about the nine, like I think I said in my comments, that nine is nine too many. Yeah. But my point was, how do we measure success? And that was just one measure. As my colleague had pointed out, as we had a back and forth, she didn't necessarily agree with with my positions either. And she pointed out, well, there's other there's other measures as well where you can find, you know, there's been studies to find, you know, uh, racism plays a part in arrest decisions or things like that. But you know, the, the what I was talking about was deadly force. Against somebody who was unarmed, which is the you know the scenario here. But the only reason I was talking about that statistic in particular is because that is what has driven the current conversation. I've heard I I heard just today uh, in the congressional hearing, uh, members of Congress again talking about how almost like there's this epidemic of uh, police killings of of minorities, and that's just not borne out by the numbers. That may be what they believe. That may be what the minorities are fearing, and therefore they're their feeling about it is very real.
0: Yeah. It's very, right.
1: you know, visceral. Uh we gotta address that. But I don't know what would make them feel better about the police. Would it be half of nine? Would it be four, five? Would it be zero? Um I, I maybe it's zero and you know, maybe that's what we try to get to. But um that was only my point about it. Is that I thought it's a I mean it's a it's, it, what are the measures of success? How do we know that we have policing that is 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 sufficiently respectful of human rights is is uh, is is sufficiently respectful of life uh, and, and preserving life rather than taking it. Um, you know those are the metrics we've got to identify if we're gonna if we're gonna chase better policing. Then let's let's define what better policing is, what it looks like, and then we can figure out how to get there but if it's going to be a moving target and that whatever the police do is still not good enough then we that's a not fair to the police and b uh, obviously is a is sort of a, a you know a, a fait accompli that they will fail right
0: so right. well that if, was
1: my only point yeah. I, I certainly would not diminish any life uh, and any life unjustifiably taken by the police or anyone else uh you know hopefully the caller would Join me in being concerned about the uh, you know the dozens of law enforcement officers that are killed every year, and I'm sure he would. Uh, and Correct. that doesn't excuse police misconduct, uh, the police being afraid of, of the citizenry. I, if you're afraid of the citizenry, you shouldn't be a police officer. Um, but uh, the fact is, is any life is one too many, uh, and if all possible, we should preserve life. Uh, uh, you know, take every step to preserve life, but. You got to define what is successful. You know what is uh, uh You know what does it look like uh, so that we know uh, what we're shooting for, and we know that if we've arrived or not. Uh, that's kind of the point I was making with that. I wasn't trying to diminish or gloss over the death of anyone.
0: Well, and I think you know the the bottom line is I, as you know, I always go into because. You know, stats are no doubt out there, and we can throw out numbers until we're blue in our face, but I I still am going to be, I'm still going to respect the fact and want to have the conversation with minorities in this country who feel like their next encounter with law enforcement might be their last, and I'm still going to respect on the other side of it with law enforcement yeah. that don't know if their next you know, contact with a citizen might be their last every time they go put yeah. on their work boots every day. I mean, that's just, that's the world we, and if we were not going to move that conversation at all, and we're going to get in the politics of it, we're going to point fingers one way or the other. I don't know how we move yeah. along, Dr. Baumgartner, because I, I think. It, well, that
1: yeah, and that's exactly right. I mean, look, if people actually feel that way, and they do, we've heard it. They feel that, you know, I can't go talk to a cop because I yeah. feel like that might be my last conversation or they're going to, immediately judge me as a criminal or something we've got to fix that yes whether that whether that's true or not that is their reality if that is their perspective if that's what they're feeling their quality of life is diminished around law enforcement so that has to be fixed and likewise law enforcement can't you know always be sort of in condition yellow or red thinking there's a there's a threat around every corner or in every traffic stop. Uh, you know, you can't, you can't always be ready uh, to deal with the, the public like, like they're out to get you. So, you know, perceptions are reality to some extent, at least in so far as people's health is concerned, mental health is concerned and their quality of life. And so we've got to address that. My point is part of addressing that would be to let's identify what reality is. Let's identify what we want reality to be. And how do we get there so that when we do get there, if we can get there, uh, people can feel better about it. People can feel that, okay, there, there really has been sufficient change. Otherwise, all these reforms we've had for the last three decades, again, they've been all for naught apparently, because it's almost as if the police are being accused of being, you know, of the same ilk as Bull Connor, you know, uh, and, uh, uh, I'd like to think that police has made a lot of improvement uh, in 30, 40, and 50 years. Uh, the data would suggest we have, uh, but if people don't feel that way, that's, that's something we got to deal with.
0: Well said. I think that's a great way to finish off. And, boy, I kept you on for a very long time, but I think it was a good conversation well, to. You know, uh, to have about a lot of different things. We'll do it here again very soon. I'll get a hold of you, and I do appreciate your time, as always.
1: Absolutely. Thanks again.
0: You bet, Dr. Jeff Baumgartner with the Criminal Justice, Political Science Department at North Dakota State University. I'm Derek Hansen. This is Couch Potato Radio. We'll wrap things up and then get to a classic radio on the uh, classic baseball on the radio tonight, the uh, 1985 All Star Game from the Metrodome, and then uh, we'll have the 14 All Star Game from Target Field on Friday night, Little League Night in America coming up tomorrow night with Jack Michaels and Joel Heitkamp here on KFGO. Catch the Devil's Lake check-in and outdoors report on...